You are now tuning into Nude Radio with your host, Kenny Heflin, and I'm here with a lovely, great personality, one of my friends that I've gotten to know through Clubhouse, but then also outside of the app, and uh, I'm grateful to have him, you know, on Nude Radio. Uh, Go ahead and introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? Uh, My name is Daniel J. I am an online personality, influencer, singer, writer, blogger. Um, I'm 36, fat, fluffy, and fabulous. So if you like femininity in a nice, fluffy, and curvaceous package, you can always say hello. Um, you're not guaranteed to get a hello back, but you can always say hello. <laughs> what doesn't guarantee them to get a hello back? You know, a, a number of factors. A number mm. of factors. Your approach means, first impressions are meaningful. And sometimes you have men who their first impressions are deplorable. Not deplorables. Malga. Well, okay, Daniel. Where can they find you? So it is very simple. I can be found anywhere on social media at Daniel J. D-A-N-Y-O-L-J-A-Y-E. You can also Google me and find me that way. Okay. We like that. So while you guys are all looking up Daniel, go check out his page. He's amazing. And then also make sure to follow Nude Radio on Twitter and Instagram at Nude Radio 101. And make sure to hit me up on my own personal Instagram at Kenny Heflin. And obviously give us the feedback. You know how we like it. But today I did want to touch on a topic that I've been sitting on for like a couple of weeks at this point. And it has to do with love, of course. And, you know, what the theory is of love, that is, you know. But uh, just starting off, like, Daniel, have you ever been in love before? I have been in love. I've been in many types of love. I've been in an extreme love that I thought was going to last forever. I have been in a toxic love. I Mm. have been in a redefining love. <laughs> mm. um, and I've also I think the best love that I've been in is the love of myself learning how to really love me and love who I am and who I'm growing to be and evolving to be um, mm. so yes I've been in many types of loving relationships awesome and I'm glad that you mentioned that because one thing with New Radio it's all about love, sex and relationships and that is going to always showcase you know love of someone else love of yourself sex with yourself sex with someone else and relationships with yourself and with other people so i like that you did mention that at the end with the love of thyself that's that's nice i mean it's important and and unfortunately especially in black community we don't always create space for us to explore and discover Mm -hmm. you know there isn't really a lot of space to discover who you are, what you like, and, and, and who you want to be. And so a lot of people don't start loving themselves mm-hmm. until very much, you know, very late in, in their life. Wow. When did you start to love yourself? Oh, I think I fell in love with myself a couple of times over the years. Um, I definitely, <laughs> uh, my teens 
I did not love myself Mm -hmm. um, because I was working through a lot of trauma um, in my personal life. Um, And in my 20s is when I kind of started this journey of of figuring out who I am without someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, But in all honesty, it probably wasn't until I reached 33, 33, 34. So recently. Yes. Well, I don't know how recent. I'm 36. So <laughs> I'm about to be 37. So. <laughs> wow. Was it something that uh, changed as far as an internal factor or external? It was, it was a lot of things. Um, at the time, I was in a position where I had made some very public proclamations about my life. Um, about religion, about my sexual orientation, um, and just to cut the fat, I had gone. I was in church, had been, you know, traveling the religious journey, the spiritual journey, mm-hmm. and I got to a point in my life where I contemplated, like, am I supposed to be gay? And I made this huge proclamation that I was walking out of homosexuality and that I was going to try to live this heterosexual life. Wow. And I tried it and I was trying to be really good at it for a really long time until I got to a place in my, in my heart space where I just felt like I was being dishonest mm-hmm. with, with someone. I didn't even know that it was with myself, but I just felt like I wasn't giving people all of who I really was. And I wasn't really happy. I felt like I was putting on a, a face, mm-hmm. a facade. And... I took um, probably about like two years on this self journey, mm-hmm. asking myself the question, who am I? And it got to the point in that journey where I asked the question, who am I willing to give up to mm-hmm. be the truest form of myself? What am I willing to give up to be the truest form of myself? And it took me two years to get to the answer of everything and anything and everyone and anyone mm-hmm. I, I will release any and everyone um, in the pursuit to be the most authentic truest honest version that I believe God made me to be that is amazing and how do you feel after that there are moments where it's very freeing mm-hmm. you know I don't have the same weight on my spirit that I that I have in my in my past uh, in my past, but there are moments that are extremely lonely mm-hmm. because living in my truth means that I have to also deal with the border of where other people have gone. You know, I can only go as far with someone as they have gone with themselves. Mm-hmm. And if they are in a space where they can't live in their authentic truth, then I can't really participate in that with you. Because I'm not going back in anybody's closet. Closets mm-hmm. were meant for clothes, not people. Um, you know, so I'm not okay. trying to get dusty and rusty and, you know, ate up with mothballs and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Like, that's just not, that's not the journey that I'm on. And um, so that that part is, is a struggle sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. because people will see me and see the personality on, on Instagram. And, you know, they fall in love with what they think is glitz and glam. Now, mm-hmm. I am not in any way, shape, or form proclaiming to be a celebrity because I definitely am not cashing celebrity checks. 
Um, but for other people, they see my platform and they think, ooh, glitz, glamour, like, oh, you're doing these things. And they want to be attached to the residue of my blessing. But my blessing is not all of who I am. Mm -hmm. Social media is not all of who I am. And so when it gets down to knowing who I am as a person, mm -hmm. a person who, yeah, we can talk reality TV and ratchet TV, but I'm also going to talk about philosophy. I'm also going to talk about religion. I'm also going to talk about, you know, social issues and political issues and things that are affecting my community directly. Mm -hmm. And I'm also going to walk outside of my door mm -hmm. in the feminine presentation as a black and Mexican gay man. Mm -hmm. And if you are ashamed of that, mm -hmm. I can't engage. I can't participate. I can't give you an allowance mm -hmm. to, to try to make me a secret. What has that journey been like, though? Um, I know for me, growing up in, in Detroit as a little gay black boy and, you know, dealing with the stigma of what it is to be gay in the 90s and the early 2000s. I mean, I was just talking to my one of my good friends about this the other day, about how the Gen Z's have it so easy as far as representation and visibility with showcasing all aspects of what it's like to be queer and of color, uh, most specifically black. And I just, I remember I was thinking back to like, just trying to find like those little pieces of what it meant to be gay, at least as a kid growing up in the nineties and like trying to find like that self love you know, and, and accepting myself for who I was, which took a long time, you know, and I think, um, you know, going through uh, bullying uh, in school, at home, that obviously shapes you and, and kind of prepares you in a way for what adult life usually has to offer, especially in the real world that I call L.A., you know, I mean, <laughs> this is the real world. If no one ever knew... <laughs> This is this is it. I mean, it don't get more real than this. <laughs> Which is funny because LA is so full of fakeness. <laughs> and so full of transplants who have come here to create an entirely different person mm -hmm. than, you know, who they were not able to be back at home. Mm -hmm. If you were born, in my opinion, if you were born between 1980 and 1995, you are living right now in a very interesting limbo space of life because you are coming from a generation that didn't talk about anything mm -hmm. that hid everything mm -hmm. but bumping up against a generation who shares everything so very publicly mm -hmm. but also talks about a lot and we are caught in this generation where we are the folks that kind of began that change and that shift. Mm -hmm. And I think we are the balance bearers. It is our responsibility in that in that age range. It's our it's our kind of mantle to take up to make sure that there is balance mm -hmm. and to get people to understand that there are some things that should be private. Mm -hmm. There are some things that don't need to be on social media. Mm -hmm. There are some things that you kind of have to handle in-house. Mm -hmm. But we're also not gonna hide the fact that we're dealing with mental health issues yes. that we are 
having extreme, you know, trauma bonding experiences and calling it love, you know, that we are out here, you know, living trauma defenses and mechanisms that we don't want to acknowledge and won't go to therapy for because all I need is, you know, my pastor or, you know, a Gudiyama episode and I'm good because I can get it vicariously through somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I think that when I look at relationships, when I look at love, when I look at this journey of being, like you said, a a, a black gay boy, Mm -hmm. yes, the Gen Zers have the representation, but a lot of Generation Z lacks the understanding of tact. And couth. And couth. (laughs) You know, everything is is a is a defense. Every every everything is a defense. You know, I and I there as insensitive as it might sound. There are a lot of Gen Zers that just can we cuss on your show? Yes, Ooh, uh, yes. <laughs> there are a lot of Gen Zers that I feel are just bitch made. Like they are literally walking, living, breathing, just nut sacks full of sensitivity, because you can't handle anything. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, we're smushed and sandwiched between a generation that's like, oh, well, I'm just joking and you need thicker skin. And it's like, no, you need to be stop. You need to stop being so fucking verbally abusive mm-hmm. is what the fuck you need to do. Mm-hmm. And so even with myself, I find myself in that middle space where it's like there are situations where I'm like, yes, tough skin is great. Mm-hmm. You're being a little over hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. But in other spaces, I'm like, no, that's traumatic. That's rude. That's derogatory. You need to watch your mouth and you need to, to reevaluate how you navigate people, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's it's difficult. It's difficult because having representation doesn't automatically mean that I'm able to navigate my life mm-hmm. the way that I want to navigate it. We're in 2022. We got an anti-gay bill in Florida and in Texas that is real right now we have we still have young black boys that are homeless Mm -hmm. and you know trans girls and 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 trans men and non-binary that are being murdered Mm -hmm. not by people who don't look like them Mm -hmm. but by people who have their face Mm -hmm. their family the people that they called like this is still happening in 2022 Mm -hmm. but yet we're all watching pose going oh my god that's such a good show yeah bitch but you're the one you're, everybody that you don't want fucking up fucking with Blanca and Electra, mm-hmm. you're them right now. Mm. And the saddest part is you wear one of those acronyms in LGBTQIA. Mm-hmm. Now, ain't that about a bitch? That's something. And it's funny that you touched on that because when you dipped into uh, just, again, like what it is, the nuance of being gay, being black, being, you know, a cis, a cis man. It's, it's interesting with, uh, for me and, and even like with the fact that you brought up with, you know, our trans, uh, brothers and sisters, like I remember thinking on my path of self-love at least was when I had to come out the closet, quote unquote. Right. And I remember I never, and I actually never talked about this on the show, but I remember I uh, did this back in 2008 and I came out, I was ready, you know, but my mom has such a, uh, an explosive reaction of emotion, uh, mostly not 
not for me being like gay or whatever, but for my safety. And I wasn't thinking about it, but the last two weeks in Detroit, there had been about six to eight, if I'm correct, uh, murders of trans women in the city. And I wasn't thinking about it. I was just, again, ready to finally come out after high school. I, if you ask me, I was moving to L.A. right afterwards. And I was just <laughs> saying goodbye to everybody at that point. But this is a very real uh, topic, obviously. And again, it's still happening to this day. And it's like, when does it stop? You know, and in, in the overall discussion about, you know, we're talking about love mm-hmm. and the theory of love and you know, wanting romantic love with someone else and, and wanting, you know, um, confirmational love with oneself. On my platform, I often tell, explain to people, when I walk out of my door every day, my consistent prayer is that I make it back into my home alive, mm-hmm. unharmed and in one piece. Because as soon as I walk out of my door, every single day, mm-hmm. I am a visible target. Mm-hmm. I'm a person of color. Mm-hmm. I'm feminine presenting. Mm-hmm. And I also experience a very interesting nuance of being assumed transgender. Hmm. So although I am not transgender, mm-hmm. I know what it feels like to be misgendered. Mm-hmm. And I know what it feels to, I know what the violence feels like with someone who assumes me to be a trans woman Mm -hmm. because of my feminine presentation, right? Mm -hmm. And so even in the dating space, that can be very fearful. Mm -hmm. You know, I was scrolling the other day on my timeline and this guy got arrested for robbing and, and brutally beating up 20 people on Grindr. Over a two-year period. Wow. He was, you know, coercing people to meet. He would come to their house, see their shit, beat their ass, take their shit, and then be out. 20 people, right? Now, imagine not only are you gay, not only are you black, but but you also don't have the privilege of assimilating in heteronormative space, Mm -hmm. i.e. you're not masculine. Mm Mm-hmm. You're not giving boy. You're not giving trade. You can't hide. Mm-hmm. Dating is scary. Very. And dating is ghetto. <laughs> you know, you looking for love and hoping that when you find it, he's just not trying to lure you out because of his hatred for what you look like and how you present. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there are so many nuances when it comes to intersectionality And when it comes to this concept of love, because I don't think that we as a black community have really properly defined what that means for one another Mm -hmm. and especially what it means in romantic space. And how have like, I mean, it's that's the thing, like we ride a fence. I feel like every day just existing and living in this world, in this country, even in a city as liberal as LA is, it's great. It has its, its its bonuses for sure. But the reality is still what it is that we all have to face. I think universally as uh, gay and black in the diaspora, um, 
what would you say as far as having experienced romantic love at least how has that journey been for you oh um the biggest love of my life was a man named michael Mm -hmm. and i was super young our relationship was super inappropriate um was michael older michael was older i met michael when i was 14 michael was 18 okay and i was also a 14 year old exotic dancer and escort Mm -hmm. um and when i met michael he had just graduated high school he was you know looking at different colleges to go to he wanted to be an entrepreneur and a business owner and so there were a lot of things looking back at our relationship that were just like michael should probably been in jail (laughs) you know some of the things that we were dealing with were just toxic and unhealthy Mm -hmm. but when it came to who michael was to me and what michael taught me michael showed me what it felt like to be accepted for who i am in all of its iteration Mm -hmm. his protection of me his consideration of me his love for me and not just love in you know oh this is my man and i want to show him off but Mm -hmm. in everything that he did in every way that he moved daniel was on his mind Mm. y'all i'm shook if i accept this job if i go to this college how is that going to affect my relationship with daniel how is he going to feel about that? Mm. Am I able? Am I going to be able to sustain a long distance relationship with him? And there was a point in time in our relationship where I broke up with him mm-hmm. because he had an opportunity to go across the country to and have an amazing job opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't want you to miss this because you want to be in a relationship with me. I said, I will always love you. I will be here mm-hmm. in your corner supporting you when you get back, if you come back. Mm-hmm. I said, but. If our relationship is what's making you not consider this, mm-hmm. let's just have a friendship. And even up until the day that he died, mm-hmm. um, it was it was just unchanging. Mm. So I know what it feels like when someone is number one secure in themselves, mm-hmm. number two knows what they want, and isn't afraid to boldly walk into a space and proclaim you as their partner. I know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because I was so young, I was 18 when he died, Mm -hmm. um, I haven't experienced that since. Mm -hmm. And I, because I know that it's possible, Mm -hmm. that is the standard now for me. That is a standard for me. Mm -hmm. And A lot of my friends, you know, used to argue me down for years. You know, you need to let go of Michael and you can't compare folks to Michael and there's never going to be another Michael. And it was like, I'm not comparing anybody to this man. There is never going to be another Michael Blake, period. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But the qualities Mm -hmm. that he embodied is very possible. Mm -hmm. And if I have to wait until I am 70... To find a partner mm-hmm. or partners 
um, that okay. that that engage those qualities of healthy and effective communication, mm-hmm. healthy and effective romance, mm-hmm. safety, security, goal support, like. I will wait for that because I know what it feels like. And with me coming into a space where I am truly comfortable in my feminine presentation, and I know a lot of y'all are like, why are you keep talking about his feminine presentation? Because in a black gay world, being feminine is, it's just not it. Mm-hmm. They'll accept you being feminine, but you got to be a twink or you got to be a gym rat mm-hmm. or you got to yeah. be a fetish. You got to be 300 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Like, they'll accept the femininity, but it has to fit into a fetishized Mm -hmm. box. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't fit into that fetishized box, I don't want it. I literally had a guy, he was 6'6", beautiful chocolate caramel man. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, not chocolate, he was caramel. But (laughs) all I did, I hit him up and I said, hi, how are you? That was literally my message. His response to me, you're too stocky for me. And I just left it at that. Because it's like, first of all, how are we so cruel Mm -hmm. in our black, gay, LGBTQIA plus community that even common decency and courtesy of just connecting with an individual, him and I could have had an amazing friendship. Mm -hmm. But because you are so closed off to connection in its in its overall realm if I'm not what you're looking for romantically you don't want it exactly and we've heard it we've heard I don't need no no I don't need no more friends oh yeah I've seen those before mm-hmm. you are the dumbest motherfucker on the planet then because do you know how much you can learn from somebody from being a friend and do you know that the one that you actually, your person might be the friend of the motherfucker that you don't want to be friends with because you looking for some romance? There we go. You just missed out on your fucking blessing because you don't know how just to connect with an individual? Mm-hmm. Now we missing out on blessings, y'all. Really? <laughs> See? And my thing is, if you know that, you, if, you, if there are certain things, because I talk about this all the time, if there are certain things that you know you just can't do, like, I'm going to be honest. If my person is 5'4", I'm going to miss out on my blessing on purpose because I can't do it. Really? I'm just not going to be able to do it. No. I'm, Kenny, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. But that's a me choice. And that's a me choice. And But here's the thing. I'm mm-hmm. okay with that choice. If my person is 5'2". It keeps getting shorter and, and shorter. And look like a troll. Lord have mercy. I'm gonna. I am voluntarily gonna miss out on my blessing, and I'll deal with the six foot one fuck boy who's gonna ruin my credit because I can't. I'm not gonna be able to do it. But that's. But that's my vanity. That's that's where I am in my journey in that aspect. But when people hear things like that, mm-hmm. they feel like they. It's their job to get me to be open to somebody who's five foot two. Why do you give a fuck? Daniel. Kenny. So since this is your first time, and this is y'all's first time being introduced to the fabulous Daniel. Honey, <laughs> listen, 
Daniel, how how do you identify within the boudoir? I'm a bottom. Okay. 100%. So you don't want no little nugget tops? No? So, okay. Lord have mercy. I am 5 foot 10. I'm probably about 6'2 or 6'3 if I'm in heels. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am 265 pounds of fabulousness. A brick house. And beauty. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know that there are short men out here slanging wonderful horse penis. But there are certain things that my five foot four little gentleman Mm -hmm. is just not going to be able to do. You are not going to be able Mm -hmm. to put me in a position where my head and your penis match up in the same distance that my ass and your mouth do. Because it's just not, the math is not going to math, Kenny. You're not going to be able to just pick me up. And just bounce me up and down without fucking up your knees or falling. And then my fat ass is not about to is not about to take a tumble for you because you want to you want to exert your ego and prove that you can hold me up. That's not gonna happen. Y'all better do it over some memory phone. No. Listen, y'all know that <laughs> I have coined the phrase crop top. I am a self-identified crop top at 5'7", right? But then the 5'4s and below, that's a halter top. And see, my cutoff is 5'7". Okay. And and when I say my cutoff is 5'7", I mean like I have to have grace and you have to be like sent from God to be 5'7". Because it's really 5'8". But... It's not that big of a height difference. But it, it makes a difference. 5'8 to 5'10 ain't shit. Okay. Listen, you okay. got you got plenty of my short kings, you know, because this is a short king spring. God bless y'all. If y'all didn't know, and y'all short kings be having the best dick. God bless y'all. Listen, they hit you with that hammer, okay? Period. Listen, so obviously we talked about with the greatest love. What has been <laughs> the most toxic? Ooh, I want you to go first, and I'm a, and I'm a, I'm a piggyback. Look, I hate saying it, but I'm a piggyback off of that. The most toxic love that I was in was actually the relationship I left when I said I was leaving homosexuality. Oh, that makes sense. Um, it was the most toxic because we had the most passion. Mm. But we didn't use the ingredients on the box to make our love cake. We were adding things and that cake came out so lopsided Mm -hmm. and so not tasteful. Um, No, by July of the same year, we were dating. Mm -hmm. And by October of that year, we had decided that we were just going to be a couple. Mm -hmm. December of that year... Mm -hmm. He asked me a a question that changed everything. He said to me, what if I told you that I was bisexual? Okay, Mm -hmm. me being who the fuck I am, I'm a consistent bitch, even at what I was 22, 23 at the time. Mm -hmm. 
I said, well, if you were bisexual, you just would be bisexual. Like, I don't, I don't understand why that would be a problem. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what if I told you I had a girlfriend? That's what he said. He, he told me about that he had this girlfriend. She knew all about me. And because I was so in love with this man, mm-hmm. I said okay to being in what I now know as an unethical polyamorous relationship. Hmm. 2008 we had our ups and downs but I found him on sites complimenting men and flirting with other people and doing this and doing that and he really caused a lot of insecurity for me mm-hmm. because the people that he was flirting with didn't look like me mm. so it made me question if this is what you want to flirt with why are you with me Mm-hmm. Um, He had a son that I got super close to. Mm -hmm. And in 2009, our arguments just became so violent and Mm. disruptive. And in May of 2009, um, I was in church and I was praying. I was like, God, I don't know what to do. Like, I love this man, but I don't want to leave him. Like, And... I was in prayer, and I all I hear is, it's time to leave. Ooh. Ooh. And in my mid-twenties, I interpreted that as not only was it time to leave the relationship, but it was time to live this heterosexual life that everybody kept telling me that I should live. Mm. And so I took my phone, mm-hmm. and I went to the back of my church, and I texted him. Mm-hmm. And I said, I cannot do this anymore. And most people would be like, oh my God, you text, you broke up in a text. That's horrible. But I knew if, if I did it any other way, I wouldn't have gone through with it. Mm-hmm. And you can't take back a text. True. And he exploded on me. He was like, I can't believe that you're doing this. What the fuck do you mean? And my best friend, who was working the sound at the time, when we talked about it, you know, later, Mm -hmm. afterwards, I remember her saying to me, I didn't know what was happening. She said, but looking at your body, Mm -hmm. she said, there was a moment where I saw you sitting over there texting on your phone. And she said, the next moment, your entire existence looked like it had just crumbled to pieces. Mm. And I just saw you break down in a way that I've never seen you break down. And I was crushed because I didn't want to let him go. I just di- I just didn't want to let him go. But we were unhealthy together. Mm-hmm. We weren't having the relationship that I wanted to have. Mm-hmm. It was built on a lie. I was accepting things I should have shouldn't have been accepting. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a really hard journey for me. You know, and he he called me everything under the sun, including the one word that I told him would hurt me the most because of the disdain and what the word meant. And he said to me, you will you'll you're not. What did he say? He said, you are nothing more than an evil, cold hearted faggot. And for that to come out of his mouth, having had a conversation with me about that word, Mm -hmm. 
I was crushed. Uh, and side note, because we talk about the Gen Z's and that word. How do you feel about that word? Because I know the Gen Z's like to use it and, and just throw it around. And I don't like that. How do you feel about that word? I don't like the word. Okay, cool. So we don't say. Okay. And also, mm-hmm. if you ever hear me say that word, mm-hmm. I'm saying it with extreme purpose. Because that word to me describes a very specific. Mm-hmm. type of gay person mm-hmm. outside of what straight America used it you know uses it as to be a derogatory term towards gay people period mm-hmm. but within the community that word to me describes a very specific type of gay person and that person to me is a person that is extremely manipulative mm-hmm. extremely catty always causes mess never loyal only thinks about themselves and will do any and everything to disrupt and cause chaos and discourse in order for them to succeed. Uh-huh. So if I use that word mm-hmm. to describe a person or to describe actions of a person, mm-hmm. that is why. Not Outside it. of that realm, I don't use it and I don't like it used towards me. Noted. Just to go based off of what you're talking about with your best and worst, you know, your most toxic love. That's why I wanted you to go first. And it's funny how you segued into that because I want to like segue into mine, right? In 2015, for all my nudists who have been listening to the show since it's aired, right? Y'all know in episode one I mentioned... Or episode two, one of those episodes, show. It's been so many now. And if you don't know, go back and listen to it. That part, heavy on that. I talked about in 2015 where I had befriended a straight cis hat man, right? You know? One thing about me, I do not chase after not nam straight man at all. <laughs> I have been openly gay, openly comfortable within myself, whatever that means to whoever and to myself, since I was 18. I've done a lot of work in preparation growing up because like i say like growing up where i grew up and just with everything i had to face on a daily basis it's a lot that goes into that right so the fact that as a openly gay black man i never chased after a straight man but this was a relationship that came about randomly and it was it was crazy because we started off as platonic friends that was the intention that was the intention okay but <laughs> within the first time that we hung out, it felt like a date. It was a twelve. It went from being a oh, I'm in your hood, like let's uh, let's like go grab some coffee for like thirty minutes to twelve hours long. And here I am. That's half a day. Mm-hmm. Here I am wearing oh this God. man's jacket at the end of the night. And uh, the thing is, that went on for over a year. And I would say with that, with that connection, he and I, we had something that was, in my opinion, still to this day, it was otherworldly. It was what I feel that love is. It's, it's not something that you just feel on a daily basis. It's metaphysical in a way, you know, it transcends um, what we feel like is the physical, you know, what our... Um, 
preconceived notions were, you know, and again, that that was something that evolved over time. And when I say over time, probably about like month four, that was something that was solidified, like, oh, shit, what the fuck are y'all doing? And I would say with that type of love, it was we were so we were so young similar to you know we were well he was 23 i was 25 at the time and with that type of love like we had a something that felt like it was a force and that's why i say like with my definition of love like it is something that you know again it in my opinion transcends the physical realm it transcends time you know it transcends uh any of our planned you know, uh, activities and, and what we thought was going to actually happen. Like we had something that was, I mean, literally it could be felt, you know, it was, uh, like I said, in the episode, uh, with my, me and my best friend, Jenny, and I had her on there because she was someone who witnessed that, that connection, that bond that we had. And it was, it was a force and the companionship and the partnership that we had you know we were both two sagittarians we both are you know we beat to our own drum we're both loners our own rights and it was a situation where you know we had plenty of times that had plenty of obstacles and times where as an openly gay black man i questioned why the fuck am i doing this maybe i need to fall back maybe i need to cut him off because this is not ideal this is not the type of love that i envisioned but it was so many times where i had to wrestle with myself about just the the what if i was to actually pull back and fall off what would that look like um you know losing that foundation of that friendship that was our surface that was you know the ground that we actually stood on overall was something i didn't want to risk and i tried to be as patient as possible with this man and his journey you know i felt like at a certain point in time you know we and we being together and me being with him was having him open up you know which did happen don't get me wrong but at the same time, I had to realize overall that, you know, I was being a crutch because he was only moving at his own pace. And with that type of love, that type of companionship, uh, when it did come to an end, I felt like I lost a leg because we had became so intertwined. You know, um, there was somewhat of a sixth sense that was developed from my side. And he would also say that it was from his side, too. But. I don't know if he's just like blowing smoke up my ass or whatever, but I know what I felt. And like I say, this was, it was on a whole other level. And after that love ended, after I had to walk away, uh, I felt as if I needed to find that love again. And for so many years, I went on a journey whenever I was presented the opportunity of quality you know, it's, it's, it's the quality, right? It was, how can I model this relationship after my relationship with him? Because I wanted to feel that connection again of, of, um, you know, camaraderie, you know, the fact that we 
we got each other. I mean, full hearted, understood each other to the T. And we would actually move mountains. I knew for sure. And I said this back in 2015. I'm like, if if I told him, hey, let's let's if we could, obviously. OK, if we could. OK, hypothetically, if we could open the gates of hell and take a trip through hell without question, this man will follow me. He will walk beside me, actually. And not ask any questions. And I felt the same way. And I only say hell because obviously we know what that means and stuff like that. Like how dramatic it could, it could be, right? But that just speaks to like the volume of, of what uh, the dedication was. It was crazy. Again, otherworldly. And we, people would describe us as moving as one unit. And they could feel the energy bouncing off of us and see like how we how we were together and stuff and that was something that was toxic but also the greatest connection of love that i've experienced still to this day it was nuts it's fucking nuts now question because i'm mm-hmm. sure that your listeners are like what well, i want to know so i'm gonna ask mm-hmm. was this did this turn into a sexual thing between the two of you or was it one of those things where he was holding on to his straightness and you were just holding on to him so we did start to dip into more intimate acts we never had sex um just because thinking in hindsight i did obviously i wanted to i wanted to fuck that nigga up Ah! listen (laughs) y'all can't see his face but if you could you would laugh he tied me up oh, one okay. time and said to call him daddy and I could have got out because I was stronger than him he he ripped my belt buckle off my off my, my damn pants and he tied he put my arms over my head and he tied my belt around my, my wrist and held me down and said um, say you like it mm. say you like it call me daddy I said, no, nigga, I ain't calling you no damn daddy. I only call my daddy daddy, bitch. Fuck. And he wrestled me down, and I felt his dick getting so hard up against my ass. And I said, I will fuck this nigga up. He don't know. He don't know. He don't motherfucking know. I'm not here to play games. That was one of the most hottest experiences that I've had in my 32 years of life so far was the anticipation of is this is this when it's gonna happen but then also the fear that i would have you know of acting which again on hindsight i'm like i should have did it but then i'm like at the time i was afraid because again i didn't want to move too fast and, and lose that connection because i've seen how these movies uh you know again growing up in the 90s I used to sneak and and rent movies of the gay coming of age stories and stuff like that. So I've seen how this how this usually plays out, and it never works out for our type. You know, it's never a happy ending. It's always toxic, and we end up with the shit end of the the fucking stick, right? But yeah, it was it was overall again magical, enchanting, magnetic. It was it was ridiculously um connective and yeah i've ever since i've been trying to to get that feeling again and i don't know if i'm gonna get it again i don't know 
I mean, I I am a hopeful person. I am too. And so I I wouldn't say that she'll never experience that kind of connection again. Um, I will say that it won't be the exact same, you know, because you're not the exact same as a person and as an individual. Mm-hmm. But I think that the level of intensity, the level of of purpose mm-hmm. that you felt in that connection is absolutely possible. And I feel like, and, and I definitely, you know, take that for sure. And thank you for that, you know. And, and ideally, again, now that we, you and I are both in our 30s and stuff, it's a lot of stuff that we've dealt with throughout the years, our teen years, our 20s. And um, obviously it's something that, you know, I look forward to being even better. But having that connection, that's what I look yes, forward to. Because I call myself a hopeful romantic, not a hopeless. I must, I do the same thing. Really? I don't say hope, uh, a hopeless romantic either. For so long, we always say hopeless. And I think maybe in 2019, I started saying, I'm not hopeless. I can live. I'm hopeful. Like, I'm happy. full of hope. I'm hopeful. Now, I'm, I am... A realist, true. But I'm, st- but I still have hope. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna look it up at a dude and be, because I have friends that are like that. As soon as I start talking to somebody mm-hmm. and he's attractive, and they're like, "Oh my god, I love this for you." Don't do that. Don't Ooh. don't do that. Because <laughs> I don't even know this man's middle name, and you getting excited about a relationship that I haven't even ventured into. So <laughs> we'll see where it goes, and we'll see what he does, and then we can make some decisions after that. But all that, oh my God, this is amazing. You guys are talking. Mm, don't do all that. It's funny that you that you lead into that. Because as of yesterday, I had a conversation with an ex. It was an ex and my people know, the nudists know. I talked about this nigga motherfucking season one. <laughs> Come to find out, this man listens to the show. So, you know who you are, obviously. Hi. We had this conversation. <laughs> so, but he reached out. We hadn't spoke in well over a year. And um, he reached out as of recently. He had me blocked because he didn't like what I said about him on the show. But when we did have our conversation, he said that he didn't he blocked me because what he felt was that I was telling the truth. Everything that I had said, he reaffirmed, he validated like, yeah, Kenny, like, I mean, I got caught up in my own emotions and you didn't say anything wrong. Like you told the God's honest truth. And I said, I know. There's no reason to lie. Because that was a relationship that I did really, um, I was hopeful of. Um, as frustrating as it was, you know, and I talked about it in the love languages and uh, in that episode, I now know, looking in hindsight, you know, certain tools that I could have had within that relationship in combating certain anxieties that he may have had from past relationships. I now have certain tools of understanding and empathy and how to deal with someone like that. Obviously, I'm not supposed to do all the legwork, of course. But just looking back on it, that was someone I dealt with who had past relationship trauma. And it, you know, uh, it kind of just like melted into our relationship and affected us overall. And after our conversation, you know, he wanted to know what does this mean now for us? 
And I told him, I'm, I'm like, you know what? After my most recent relationship ended, I now, as someone who's always been a future thinker, someone who was that little gay black boy in Detroit, going through everything he had to go through, and the fact that his thoughts of the future saved his life, being a natural future thinker, I'm now having to pause and to take a step back and do something that my father told me back in 2019 is to be present. Because I've always existed in the presence, but lived in the future. And what you said with your friends ties into what I told him. A lot of times what we do when we're just having conversations, when we like people, right? It's all beautiful pink and butterflies. And in conversation, we don't mean anything by it. We just are talking about what we want to do in the future, about what we want to do together. And if that relationship, you know, doesn't last, if it ends within a few days, a week, a month, a year, years, the hardest part to let go is the fantasy that you guys painted the life of togetherness that you guys actually, you know, put on a portrait and it was beautiful, it was colorful. Once you stop missing that person, you miss the fantasy and that's the hardest part to let go. So what I've been doing when I do have my friends who are so excited and I love them for being excited. We love our friends for being excited for us. They want us to be happy. They want us they to be want happy. They want us to be happy. And vice versa. But it feeds into the fantasy and us planning into the future. And like I told my ex the other day, I said, I'm not telling you anything. I'm not going into the future. I'm not doing it. This is something I'm trying now that is unnatural for me. But I'm taking it literally day by day. I'm Because it's so many expectations that can be set from my side on something that he hasn't even illustrated that he's capable of. And when that disappointment happens, I'm now having to like live with that. Because it's like, well, he didn't... He never showed you he he had that range. He didn't he, you know, he didn't show you that. Two things. Mm-hmm. In regards to understanding someone's trauma and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I had to learn that just because I understand it, it doesn't make me responsible for it. Mm. And I think a lot of times we stay longer than we should because we understand. Mm-hmm. I can understand and not agree. That's true. I can understand and leave your ass to do the work yourself. Mm-hmm. My understanding of where you are, my understanding of why you have these triggers, my understanding of why you are verbally abusive, my understanding of why you are so emotionally disconnected does not mean that I have to endure it. Mm-hmm. While you do the work and go through the journey, if you so choose to, to get to the other side of that and do it different. My understanding of it means I then have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Do I participate in this mm-hmm. or not? Which leads me into my next thing, which is something that Miss Eon the Van Zant said. Okay. That I truly and wholeheartedly, I, I take it in my soul. She said, "I we do not get to tell someone how to love us. Mm -hmm. We get to experience how they love Mm -hmm. and make an informed decision on whether we want to participate or not. Mm -hmm. And I think that ideal fucks so many people up Mm -hmm. because they are so accustomed to telling somebody 
this is what I need and this is what you need to give me. And if you can't give this to me, then we don't need to be together. Mm -hmm. And what happens psychologically and subconsciously is I now have made you responsible for a decision I don't want to make. You have to tell me that you don't want to be in this relationship because you don't love me because I'm too afraid and unwilling and unready Mm -hmm. to release myself of what I think is the investment in the fantasy, mm-hmm. the investment in your potential. Mm-hmm. I've spent five years with you getting you together. How dare I leave now? So if you want this to end, you have to end it. But you knew last year that this relationship wasn't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. So why is the onus on the person that is just going with the flow? Mm-hmm. Why is the onus on the person who thinks this is going to work out? If you knew last year wasn't gonna work, why he got to say it? Mm-hmm. Why she got? Why they got to say it? You know what I'm saying? And I feel like a lot of times, especially for me, I had to learn very <laughs> a very hard lesson because mm-hmm. I am such a nurturer and I am such a person that understands some shit. Mm-hmm. I also had to learn that. My decision to stay in a relationship and to participate in something has nothing to do with what you can change for me. Mm. I tell people all the time, if you ch- I don't want to change for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you changing for me. Mm-hmm. Now, if you change because of me, mm-hmm. that's different. If I come to you and say, you know what, I don't like the way that you communicate. You don't talk to me. You don't ask me about my day. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you start asking me about my day. Well, you're asking me about my day because I told you to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't have a genuine interest in what the fuck my day consists of. Mm -hmm. So now when I'm telling you about my day and you look bored as shit, now I got a problem. Well, how come you're not interested? Well, because bitch, he didn't ever want to, he didn't give a fuck about your day to begin with. Mm Mm-hmm. He just did the things you told him to do. He's following the manual you gave him to appease Mm -hmm. the shit that you don't want to address. And so I love Iana for that when she says, I don't get to tell you how to love me. Mm -hmm. Because it it, it puts the responsibility on us to make the hard decisions. Mm -hmm. When I'm in a relationship with somebody, if I'm dating somebody, if I'm courting someone... And something happens in their personality that I realize this shit is not cool. Mm-hmm. I'm an adult, so I'm going to have a conversation. I'm going to bring it to your attention. The way that you do this, I don't really rock with that. I, I don't think that that's healthy. Mm-hmm. And based on that conversation, if you tell me, well, this is just who the fuck I am. Mm-hmm. The responsibility to say, well, that doesn't work for me. So we're just going to end this right here. Mm-hmm. That's on me. Mm, young. That's on me. Mm-hmm. But then you got these motherfuckers out here that no, because you have to compromise for who, for what, for why. Mm-hmm. A compromise means I have to lose something of myself mm-hmm. to appease something in you, mm-hmm. or to appease this ethereal construction of a relationship. But we don't agree on what the boundaries are of the relationship. So what is the relationship if it is one? So why am I compromising? Yeah. 
I can cooperate or I cannot cooperate. True. I can participate mm -hmm. or I cannot participate. But some of us are so afraid to be alone. Mm -hmm. Some of us are still subscribed to Betty Wright and thinking that having a piece of man is better than having no man at all. That we will not leave and we will not let it go. And it's like that picture that we've seen on social media where you got the little caucus Jesus and he's standing in front of that little girl and she got the little bear and she's Not like, oh my God, I love this bear. Because he caucus. Jesus didn't look like that. He did um, And she got the little bear and she's just holding on to the little bear for life. She's just squeezing the shit out of that little bear. And, and Jesus is saying, baby, let it go. Give it to me. And he got this huge bear behind his back that she can't see. And that's how we are. Mm -hmm. We're so afraid to let go of what little we have mm -hmm. because we think that we'll lose it all because we've conditioned to only see the negative side of a decision. Mm -hmm. It's not, what if I lose it all? What if you gain everything after you let this motherfucker go? What if you walked into the relationship mm. and into the destiny and into the purpose of who you are as a person and the love that you've been asking for your entire life? What if all of that is right beyond your decision to say, this one is not it and I'm walking away from it? Then you got the word, honey. I'm just saying, what if? What the fuck if? And that is something that I've wrestled with for years. There is always going to have to be a willingness and a readiness mm -hmm. to address the inconsistencies and the lacks in any relationship. I have, I went through a very rigorous process. Um, I was doing a study, my own study, um, about in regards to relationships. And I was on this journey, I was in my 20s. This was after the Chicago relationship. Um, <laughs> but I was in my 20s. And I wanted to know what makes a relationship. Mm -hmm. So I interviewed hundreds of singles. I've interviewed hundreds of, of people that were married, that were dating, different stages of the dating process, right? Mm -hmm. And I came to my own understanding that in my life, in a relationship space, I have six non-negotiables. Mm. Everything else is, is negotiable. Okay. And as hard as I say that I wouldn't date a five foot four motherfucker, that's still negotiable. Short King Spring. Okay. But my six non-negotiables, I found that when a relationship does not have all of them, the relationship is destined to fail. Mm -hmm. You cannot have four of the six. You cannot have five of the six. You have to have all six of these things. Otherwise, the relationship is going to suffer. Number one, healthy and effective communication. Mm -hmm. Which means I have to be able to express how I feel, what I feel, why I feel it to you, mm -hmm. and have you receive that, listen to that, and be able to process that in a healthy manner. And I have to be able to do the same with you, which means we might hear some things about each other that we don't like. Mm -hmm. But we have to be able to get to the root of what that is. Correct. Okay, so healthy and effective communication. Healthy and effective romance. I cannot stop doing the things I did in the courtship now that I finally got you in a relationship. 
Mm-hmm. I cannot stop making you feel special. Mm-hmm. I cannot stop making you feel wanted and desirable and sexy and, and complimenting you and, and engaging you in the way that you process love, i.e. love language. Mm-hmm. I can't stop doing that when we're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mutual attraction. Ooh. I can't be into you more than you're into me and you can't be into me more than I'm into you. Why? Because the minute a motherfucker that comes that I really want, I'm going to drop your ass whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. And I may never and I may never necessarily cheat on you, but my mind and my heart and my spirit, they will drift from you. And I'll start to resent you because I feel like I could have had this, but I settled for your ass. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So I have to have mutual attraction. Mm-hmm. We have to want each other and desire each other on the same intensity, on the same level. I agree. Security. I have to know that if something happens to me, Mm -hmm. that you are going to be able to cover me. Mm -hmm. If something happens to you, you need to know that I'm going to be able to cover you for the us of it all. Mm -hmm. Gotta be secure in that. And most people, when I say security, they, they, they automatically think money. And mm-hmm. money is a part of that. Mm-hmm. But it really just is about having your partner's blind spot. Yeah. And being able to be the feel of the lack if there is one. If you lose your job, mm-hmm. I'm not going to drop you because you lost your job. Right. Now, we're going to have some healthy and effective communicative conversations about how you can't stay in this depressive ass state for three months and not look for a new one. Exactly. But I'm not going to drop you just because now our money situation has changed. Okay, well, let's look at this and let's see how we need to Mm re-figure how we spend money, how we move Mm -hmm. together, what we're doing, how we're doing that. So security is very important. Safety. Mm -hmm. I need to know that when I lay on your chest at night, Mm -hmm. And I confess to you the deepest, darkest, hurtful, most vulnerable, most traumatic moments of who I am as a person, Mm -hmm. that those things are safe with you. Mm -hmm. That you're not going to tell your mama, that you're not telling your best friend, that you're not violating my confidence and and, and my privacy. Mm -hmm. And you're not ripping me of, you're not stealing and raping from me the ability to choose and have choice and have autonomy. I need to feel safe in that. Mm-hmm. I also need to know that that safety extends beyond if we're not together anymore. Right. Because, see, I'm that type of person. We can break up. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spread your business to the world just because we broke the fuck up. I'm just not that individual. Mm-hmm. So safety is important. And goal support. Mm. We've got to be able to support one another in the goals that we have set for ourselves. And if we have goals that our partner feels are unrealistic, we go back to the first thing, which is that communication piece, and we talk about it. Mm-hmm. If you 40 and at 40, you like, oh, I want to be an Olympic gymnast, you might have missed your moment. And we need to be honest about that. True. You know, you 55, I want to be a rapper. Mm, that might not be the thing to do. Especially because you can't rap. Well, <laughs> so we need to have an honest conversation about that. True. So there has to be some some support in a goal. Let's find a goal, number one, that you know that you can achieve with excellence mm-hmm. and integrity and allow me to support you in that. And the one thing about goal support that I tell people all the time is I don't have to understand it to support it. Mm-hmm. And I use the, the example of if you have a couple 
where one is a an accountant and one is an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, accounts are very by the book, bottom line, the numbers need to make sense. Mm-hmm. Artists are generally very aloof, creative, I have to with the feeling whimsical. They don't have to understand each other's goals, but mm-hmm. if they're going to be in a relationship, mm-hmm. they're going to have to learn to 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 operate and complement one another in a space where they can support one another's goals mm-hmm. and make sure that they are achieving them in succession. Mm-hmm. And so those six things for me, if I'm in a relationship, if I'm looking towards a relationship, mm-hmm. I need to see some semblance of those six things in a person. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, that's an automatic no for me. Everything Ooh. else, I don't give a shit about. I don't give a shit about what kind of car you drive. I don't give a shit if you Uber. I don't give a shit if you on public transportation. I don't give a shit if you in between jobs, if you got four jobs, if you got one job, mm-hmm. if you are entrepreneur. I don't give a shit about none of that. Mm-hmm. Do you have the capability of these six non-negotiables? Mm-hmm. Are you working towards having and being a person that can embody these six non-negotiables? Because mm-hmm. if you ain't got no job and you on public transportation and you living at home with your mama and you 45 with no kind of inclination to better yourself. Then baby boy, I don't got nothing for you. And that's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to be at home at your mama's house watching baby boy. Talking about, ooh, she did diaries wrong. Yeah. know. And listen to Kim, Kevin Samuels. I can't. Um, why? I just, that's a whole other episode on your show. <laughs> um, but th- but those are the th- those are the six things that I really that I take to heart. Those are the those are the six qualities that I look for when I'm looking to engage someone that I feel could be a viable partner. All that other materialistic shit, all of the finances, all of that, child. Those are things that come. Those are things that can be, y'all can work towards it. I mean, where you are weak, I am strong, vice versa. And those six qualities, let me tell you, that definitely shakes the thing up, okay? Because I feel the same way. Those are what I look for as well in a mate. For sure, wholeheartedly. And out of hundreds of people Mm. that I've spoken to, Wow. I guarantee you when one of those things are missing, mm-hmm. there's a problem in the relationship. Do you feel that certain things can be learned in within those six qualities, right? Mm-hmm. Do you feel that those are things that can be learned with experience and in dating said person or dating you? The answer to that question is yes. Mm-hmm. But the caveat is, as the person who isn't learning, you still have to make an informed decision on whether you want to participate in that or not. Mm. And a lot of us get stuck into this thing where it's like, well, you know, you can learn. I see the potential. So I have to, you know, I can't just not date you just because you don't have it yet. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can give them time to figure it the fuck out in their journey. Mm-hmm. And if it's meant to be returned to you when they have it, and mm-hmm. see how it goes from there. You don't have to. You don't have to endure someone's manifestation of potential phase. Ooh, that's a word. But we get manipulated into thinking that if we don't stick around in the manifestation of potential phase, mm-hmm. that we're horrible people. Mm-hmm. Yo, the manifestation of your potential ain't got shit to do with me. 
Correctamundo. I feel that. How do you feel about love returning? Me. Circling back around. When that partner, say for example, y'all happen to be a victim of circumstance or mm-hmm. timing, whether it was lack of the language, whether it was lack of understanding, maturity, um, or I would say overall, like opportunities, because sometimes opportunities come up and people have to part ways and stuff mm-hmm. like that. We've heard many of stories where people have to move across country and take a job in another country and it's like the other person literally just cannot as much as they want to. <laughs> um, how do you feel about love making a double stop and circling back around? I don't think that it's impossible. I do feel that if that is the situation for someone, that you have to be very careful not to start reading from last year's chapter. Oh, yes. So we don't get to pick up where we left off. Not at all. You know what I'm saying? Like if I if if I was 25, if we were if we're 25 and we had to, you know, go our separate ways for whatever reason and now I'm 30, mm-hmm. I can't pick up where I was at 25 cuz I'm 30. So we have to have an adult conversation about who we are in this moment. Mhm. And we have to kind of get to know each other again and then make an adult informed autonomous decision on whether we want to participate in each other's lives in that manner mm-hmm. with the newness of who we are, with the new information that we have. Um, so I don't think that it's impossible. I think that it, it's very possible. And I often think that if it's truly meant to be, that that probably is what's going to happen. But you have to be smart about it. You have to be mm-hmm. really aware of yourself and 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 that person and 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 what's what's you know kind of um, what's what's boiling mm-hmm. in that in that energy. So similar to what uh, we got to see in Insecure when Issa and Lawrence, their whole story, we know how that ended, how it came back together. Similar to that getting to relearn each other obviously again we are the same people but we have alter we have some new some new things we got some new little toys to work with new tools again new uh levels of understanding thanks to life and experience and um really just how to apply that to each other but then also choose to any relationship that we deem healthy at least Okay, I'm gonna introduce something to you to you Come through. to some of your listeners Come through. that might fuck them up mentally. Ooh, ooh, okay, we okay. ready. You ready? Mm-hmm. When you are born, when do you turn a year? After twelve months, which means you have been on the planet for a year mm-hmm. before you are a year old. Mm-hmm. Which means that every birthday. Mm-hmm. Represents the finishing of a year. Mm-hmm. So, case in point, technically, my thirty seventh birthday, which is later this month, mm-hmm. means I am finishing my thirty seventh year of life on this planet mm-hmm. and beginning my thirty eighth. I've always thought this, Daniel. Okay. 
So if that is if that is the case, that means when someone tells me to act my age, technically I'm unable to because I'm still learning this age. So I tell people to act their decade. Oh. And so I, I bring that up because when we look at it in terms of every year of my life, mm -hmm. I'm learning something different. I'm gaining new tools. Time is so relative mm -hmm. and so subjective to where we are in the timeline. Mm -hmm. A year at a job, we look at that not that long. Right. A year being homeless, it's forever. long time. Mm -hmm. A year in relationship, somewhere in between, right? Mm -hmm. But it's still 12 months mm -hmm. of new information, different information. Mm -hmm. And if you are not careful, some of the same information mm -hmm. being circulated in the same cycles of toxicity and unwillingness and unreadiness. Exactly. So I have to be very cognizant at the end of every year, mm -hmm. when, I, when I get to my birthday and I start beginning the next year of my life, mm -hmm. I reflect on what I've gone through in the year. What did I learn? What did I do different? Mm -hmm. What did I do the same? As a person, Daniel J has always had an opinion. Mm -hmm. Daniel J has always, has never been afraid to speak my opinion. Mm -hmm. But Daniel has not always been courageous and brave enough mm -hmm. to be Daniel. Mm -hmm. That came with time. Mm -hmm. That came with experience. That came with wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about this concept about love returning, we really have to understand our position is the world is the only thing that we can control. Mm -hmm. And so many of us fuck up our shit mm -hmm. because we are so concerned with projecting and giving away our responsibility to other people. Mm -hmm. I'm not going through nobody's phone. No. I'm not and I have mm -hmm. at that time in my life. I, I've done all the things. Mm -hmm. But at this point in my life, I'm not going through nobody's phone. I'm not following you to work. Mm -hmm. I'm not checking emails. If my gut and my heart and my spirit says something ain't right, I'm going to bring it to your attention. And mm -hmm. if you say some shit that can't settle that in me, mm -hmm. guess what? We got to stop. And you know what? That's something that I've been wrestling with for this year so far. You know, we have i mean time has passed by 2022 is moving honey baby it's like what the fuck but with all the things that i've learned within the last few months since november at least especially in december january february i've learned to acknowledge so many different things unpack so many different things learn the root of so many different aspects of my life and how I show up and how I react and how I choose. All I can ask for at this point when I get to my little altar, right, and I pray is for the to trust my intuition because I'm a very intuitive person. 
is to trust it. I have this curiosity that is steeped in realism too. And it's like, oh yeah, this could definitely happen. This is how it can go bad. But then I'm like, oh, but you know, let's let's try it out. You're fine. If it does go bad, you know, you brace yourself for it at least. Like, it's toxic. It's, <laughs> it's a clusterfuck. But learning how to trust my intuition to be 100% decisive and know how to discern and make the right decisions. At this point now, that is where I'm at. And I just want to make sure that I make the right decisions overall and that I can trust my intuition and understand and accept what is not for me and what's for me, even if it means letting go of that fantasy. And it's this is new. You know, I'm speaking through um, the fact that I'm a student of life right now, as I, as we all are, as we live. But um, overall, it's, it's, it's that and learning how to actually trust that voice and be steadfast <laughs> and uh, non is unwavering, you know, in uh, making that decision and stuff and making sure that you are able to pick what's actually right for you and stuff and and who's right for you and it's it's a little scary because it's a lot of things that i predicted that are coming to fruition um a lot of things that i predicted back in december that i call the different waves i think like after dealing with covid and stuff and all the the first and second waves and all that stuff whatever i now have put that into my life this is the first wave i'm dealing with right now the fact that I was able to have a, a true and adult conversation with one of my exes um, where I didn't need the validation. I didn't need the reaffirmation of what went wrong and everything like that and who was to blame. And, and the thing is, it's not really who was to blame. It's just, again, shit happened. He wasn't a horrible person at all, not by a long shot, but he was a victim of circumstance. And in my own right, again... I didn't have all the tools either. Even though he says, you know, it's nothing that you did wrong, I'm still able to to articulate the fact that it was certain things I could have did differently within that relationship to kind of combat certain things that did um, happen that would decrease some of that frustration that was the end result. But yeah, I mean, overall, it's really just the fact that we are all learning as we live each and every damn day you know and really just trying to figure this thing out you know and it's it's interesting especially when it comes with love of thyself but then also love of other people it's it's a it's a roller coaster i mean it's really just trial and error it's not really a, the biggest playbook but i always love to hear different people's point of views on how they um, see love, you know, how they are able to conceptualize it, you know, and actually make it uh, work for them or make it real. It's always something that, you know, I just think that it's, it's magical in a way. And that's like my fantastical mind working. <laughs> but I think, you know, if, if you had a definition, if this was an elevator pitch, right? on what love is 
if you had a 30 second elevator pitch right what would be your definition <laughs> of what love is overall but also what it means to you my pitch would be love is removing the fantasy accepting the reality and understanding that in some moments in most moments love is not enough mm. love is magical mm -hmm. love is amazing love's miraculous love is is world changing but relationships are work Relationships are decisions and choices that we make every day mm -hmm. to uphold the love we have and the love we want to build. Mm -hmm. So for me, love is the removing of the fantastical, mm -hmm. the acceptance of the reality, mm -hmm. and the understanding that in most moments, love is not enough. Mm. Oh. Wow. That's something. If faith without works is death, what is love without work? Listen. To me, I think it's purgatory. And we don't want to live in purgatory. That's torture. That's the gray area. I'd rather, when it comes to love, I'd rather live in a black or white. Let me know what it is and what it's not. I don't want to live in the maybes. Ooh, I don't want to live in the maybes. <laughs> I think we've all been in a situation where we have been in the maybes, getting breadcrumbs from lovers, giving ourselves breadcrumbs, you know, not giving ourselves our fullest potential, you know, and living up to what we know that we're capable of for ourselves. But then also when we talk about the external factors, what it means to be breadcrumbed from someone else and living in that maybe that gray area, that purgatory that you speak of. That's no fun. You know, and, and some people might be like, oh my God, you want to remove the fantasy of love? I don't, if, if think about it. If I have to make love into a fantasy, mm -hmm. into a make-believe story, that's not real. In essence, it's not real then what is it? I don't want it. Mm. I don't want a Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Aurora, Beauty and the Beast type of fucking... Those are books and fantasies and movies and... and I have to remove that. Mm -hmm. So that when I look at love, I'm looking at the realness and the rawness of what love takes to build. Mm -hmm. Of what love takes to sustain, of what love takes to endure, mm -hmm. and then measure that against the choices and the decisions that I'm willing and, willing and ready to make for myself and the individuals that, I'm, that I want to be in love with. I agree. So again, to me, it is the removal of the fantasy, mm -hmm. the acceptance of the reality. And the understanding that in most situations, love by itself is not enough. Mm. And in removing those fantasies, right? Removing the, the layers, even when we talk about with dating at least, and romantic love, what is it about 
removing certain stigmas of what we deem to be attractive in the black gay community? Ooh, honey. Uh, (laughs) I'll say what I said a little earlier on in the show. I can only go as far with someone as they have gone with themselves. And if I am sitting on this end of the spectrum, judging and, and, and cherry picking and picking apart what is and what is not the standard of beauty and attraction for me, or what is and what is not the the, the standard of beauty for the community, mm-hmm. I'm in a very dangerous position and I'm also probably in a very lonely position. Mm-hmm. My attraction... Now, there are things that, obviously, I prefer. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And I have this conversation quite often on my platform where I debate people on the difference between preference versus prejudice. Mm -hmm. When people say, I'll take me for example, feminine men are not my preference. Mm -hmm. That's a lie. You're prejudiced against feminine men. When you say no fats, no fems, Mm -hmm. that's not a preference. Mm -hmm. That's a prejudice. And I'll explain why. Go ahead. If I have an apple Mm -hmm. and an orange, they are two completely different fruits, Mm -hmm. two two different textures, two different flavor, all the the things, right? All the things. A preference by definition means that if I have those two in my possession, Mm -hmm. I'm going to lean towards one more than the other. Mm-hmm. But if the one that I would lean towards is not there, mm-hmm. I will still accept the other. So if I have an apple and an orange and my preference is apples, I'm going to choose the apple. But if an orange is in the basket, I would still eat an orange because it's not that I don't like oranges. It's just if I had it. If I had to choose between that and something else, mm-hmm. or an apple, I'm going to choose an apple. But I would still eat an orange. Mm-hmm. I still enjoy an orange. Mm-hmm. A prejudice, by definition, means you never have a chance. Mm-hmm. So if I am prejudiced against oranges, and I have oranges and apples, mm-hmm. I'm always going to choose apples. But if I don't have apples, I'm never going to choose an orange. Mm-hmm. So when we look at the, the the standards of beauty and the standards of attracted. Uh, attractiveness that we place on on black gay community Mm -hmm. most of what we keep saying to ourselves is a preference is a lie it's not a preference it's a prejudice and you have to dig into yourself as to why and do you feel that with if we're speaking of the prejudice side do you feel that there is always a root that is steeped in negativity not always. It could just be you don't fucking like it. Mm-hmm. But be honest in that. Mm-hmm. Don't create some fantastical excuse and justification. Case in point, I say it all the time. I will probably never be in a fucking relationship with a white man because to me there was always a hard ER nigger in the back of his mind. If he gets mad. Possibly maybe. There's always going to be that microaggressive white privilege moment where he tells me to calm the fuck down and then a bitch got to go off. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to go out into the world and educate people and and advocate for people and then come home to my partner and have to do the same exact shit because he doesn't understand my lived experience. Mm -hmm. That's a that is a personal prejudice Mm -hmm. against white men. In my mind, Mm -hmm. 
I have a blockage with being in a relationship with a white man Mm -hmm. because of that prejudice. Mm -hmm. That's not a fucking preference. Mm -hmm. But I'm honest in that. I'm okay with that. Now, if somebody comes along to change that mentality for me, mm-hmm. then then I'll go through that experience and I'll walk through that journey. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to sit here and lie and be like, well, no, it's just that my preference is black men. No, I have a prejudice against white people, about uh, against white men specifically. Mm-hmm. I don't date them mm-hmm. because I know in my mind I, would, I, I don't know that I could be in a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. You know? I love black men. Period. Period. And with this, what we talked about early on with the the Gen Zs, for example, and how everything's so hypersensitive these days, as a content creator and having a platform, having a voice, having the language to articulate exactly what is the difference between prejudice and preference and probably everything in between, right? Because I'm sure it's some gray area within that. How would you combat any type of pushback from the opposing party? Not just the white men, but any other prejudice that you may have that, again, is not and may not be steeped in negativity. I think the biggest question is you have to ask yourself why. Mm -hmm. And I use femininity and fat, like the no fat, no femme thing. I use that often because I'm a fluffy boy and I'm also femi- very feminine presenting. I mean, I got the acrylic nails. I beat my mug. They look good too. You know, I'm, I, I I do the things, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't identify as a woman. I, I am not a trans woman. I still identify as a cisgendered man. Um, and when I have conversations with men who say, I don't like femininity, the longer that I have the conversation and the deeper into the conversation that I go, I often find that their aversion to it mm-hmm. is stem- stems from the heteronormative narrative mm-hmm. that says femininity in black men is an abomination. Mm-hmm. So they dealt with the layer of I'm gay, mm-hmm. but they're not that gay. Mm. And so they can't date someone who's that gay Mm -hmm. because they still give a fuck about what everybody else in the community sees and says and thinks about them personally. Mm -hmm. So if you have a masculine presenting man who is out and is gay and he dates a a feminine presenting male, Mm -hmm. the the contention is what is everyone going to think about me? Mm -hmm. What is everyone going to say about me? Mm-hmm. I might as well just be with a woman. Mm. All of those types of things, you have to think about those things. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, most of those reasons are rooted in an inbred, microaggressive, mm-hmm. derogatory, bigoted bias mm-hmm. that has been taught. Mm-hmm. Period. True. Period. I am prejudiced against other feminine men. I don't want to date another motherfucker like me. Why not? Because to me, I look for balance. I am a very feminine energy. Mm-hmm. I don't want another feminine energy in, in relationship. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would rather have a masculine energy to balance out what I bring to the table. Gotcha. However, and also... Okay. If I met a feminine presenting man... Mm-hmm. 
who were all of the things that I wanted in a relationship, mm-hmm. I'm not so stuck in my way mm-hmm. where I would just be like, just because you're feminine, I'm going to say no to this. Let me see your ass out with a nigga that isn't a pump and a nail. Will be the two beatest bitches that you've ever seen in a relationship. Let me motherfucking see. When I tell you. Babe, I- you got your mascara? Because I left mine at home. Because I call myself a lesbian. But when I tell <laughs> you my jaw would drop. Two bad bitches? What? I mean, I mean look. <laughs> anything can happen. It's 2022. So I'm, I'm, but and again, that comes with, that just comes with knowing me. People might not agree with that. They might have an opposing opinion about it. They might feel a certain way. But it's, it works for me. Mm -hmm. It works for me. You know, most of the men that I've dated Mm -hmm. have been masculine presenting men. Mm -hmm. Black men. Either black or mixed with. Okay. I mean, I pretty much have dated the spectrum of race and ethnicity. But as far as like being in a relationship, most of my relationships have either been with black men or or men that are mixed with black. Ah. So have you found in in your own lived experience, have you found, and I'm sure you've done a a good amount of social studies, case studies, the (laughs) legwork, the work. And really finding out, you know, what what comes from, like, again, like that root that we talked about earlier with people who have a certain prejudice. How do you operate when you do happen to meet someone who does not actually have a particular prejudice that is steeped in negativity? Do you just recognize it for what it is? Give them like a little, I don't know, like a dap or something to call them bro. <laughs> like, what has what has that been like? If you've ever faced it before. I've experienced someone telling me that I'm not their type. Mm-hmm. And that's all I need to hear. Mm-hmm. It's not my business to, 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 to ponder why. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversations that I talk about, about like really digging into that, those have been in spaces where we're talking, like how we're having this conversation mm-hmm. and that topic comes up. I'm in de- in those spaces. Yes, we're gonna debate because we're gonna we're gonna talk about what this really is and what it really isn't. Mm-hmm. But in 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 pra- in the practice of dating and in courtship, when a man tells me that I'm not his type, that's all. I'm, I don't I, I don't I'm not responsible for digging into the why of that. Has that come with maturity? Like, would you say that 25 year old Daniel would have had a different response versus almost 37? Um, well, I will say that 25-year-old Daniel was still feminine, mm-hmm. but 25-year-old Daniel also presented more boyish because 25-year-old Daniel was too afraid to be as feminine as Daniel really was. Because you was background singing and stuff too, right? You yes. was on the road. I was doing background gigs. I was performing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had a string of motherfuckers that was fine as shit who wanted to get and I was a little thing too I was like you had a beard and stuff I remember you you know little goatee thing snatched waist that ass like you know the men's wanted it Mm -hmm. Um, but it wasn't until I got into my 30s where I really started to embrace my femininity Mm -hmm. where that changed and and the calls stopped Mm -hmm. and and the glances stopped and the men that I started to attract were a lot of DL men who really wanted trans women 
Because I was just about and to was ask was settling you that. on my feminine present presentation as a consolation prize. Interesting. And I've had men tell me to my face, I think you're beautiful. You are an amazing person. But I couldn't date you in public. Wow. And I remember we talked about that at the mixer that we went to back in February. And you told me that that story. And I said, i got to have you on the show. <laughs> People need to talk about this because this exists. It, it plagues our community every single day. And I think overall it's, you know, again, someone who comes from two different spectrums of what we deem as attractive when it's when we're talking about the politics of attraction right especially in the gay black community learning how to know exactly what your privilege holds and what sometimes i mean even even in more masculine presented uh gay black men just because that's who you are and that's how you you present that doesn't mean that you don't you know that you don't face rejection and everything like that but i think overall it's it's how we react and stuff and like really getting to know uh again like the hows and, and knowing sometimes when to check it and when not to check it and when it's just be like you know what nigga okay i recognize it <laughs> let me just leave you alone I, this don't need a text back this if i need to practice myself piece by you know removing the text or blocking you i don't fucking know i don't need but i think that in in black gay community specifically Mm -hmm. because that's the community we belong to that's the community we navigate yep there is a hierarchy in place and that hierarchy is meant to praise the perception of divine masculine Mm -hmm. and to demean the perception of divine feminine Mm -hmm. um and so all of that goes into you have to have a certain body type. You have to have a certain complexion. You have to play a certain sexual role. Like, there are so many men who are craving to get fucked like a slut because they truly, in their heart, are a bottom. But because they don't want to be bottom shamed, they'll put verse in front of it. Ooh, let's talk about it. Mm. Mm-hmm. They'll put on the Tims and the fitted and the and and the and the t-shirts and the and the jeans because they know that's what the their type likes. Mm-hmm. But they're walking out of the house with a face so beat that bitch you need a scalpel to get it off. Like we in Atlanta. Uh, not pancake little Richard 1950s makeup. Pancake 65. Pancake 65. You know, but again, those constructs happen because we all know that there's a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. We all know that it it occurs, mm-hmm. but nobody wants to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do? We say, oh, that's just my preference. No, you're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. You're part of the problem. If you can demean someone for being a bottom, if you are on your profile talking about know this, know that, no. How about if somebody hits you up Mm-hmm. That's not your type. You simply say no, thank you. What if that were the What if that were the practice? Mm-hmm. If somebody hits you up that you weren't attracted, and I do it all the time. People hit me up that I'm not attracted to. They're not physically my type, meaning they're dog shit ugly. I will tell them you're not my type. And when they ask me, 
well, what is your type? It's irrelevant because you're not it. See, when I do that, I get caught. Um, I've been called an old gay bitch. Oh, yeah. This is from the young ones. Come on. The young ones. Little 22, little, you know, little boppers. Nigga, y'all up here in my damn DMs. And I happen to say that, again, we going to cut it off. We going to, we not going to waste any time. We know what this is, whatever app that I'm on or whatever, how you chose to, you know, reach out to me. You're not my type physically or character type, right? Um, Because I don't have a physical type. But what I have noticed, I found um, in learning a lot about myself, even more about myself, Chubb, was that I have a a character type overall because all my men look like different types of pops and sodas. Ah! I'm from Detroit. I say pop, okay? But um, it's not given 7-Up, Sprite, Sierra Miss. No. It's, it's, they all look different but they all do share a particular character type which I need to unpack that too but I get caught when I do address it whatever it is I get caught names they they want to they want to barter they want to negotiate I actually got offered um, yesterday while I was at the beach chilling because it's hot as fuck in LA I got offered um, money to have sex with this man, this real estate agent, and he got the money, but he gonna try to shortchange me. Like, what if I was a sex worker? I'm so mad. He wanted a hundred dollars. Yo, uh, microphone is not picking up my stomach growling because I thought I was gonna take dick later on tonight, and so I have, I've been eating light. You still might. Um, so, like, you, you never know. know. If y'all hear the grumbling, that's why I'm trying to be an obedient bottom. Um, and I don't like to just you know act like some shit ain't happening because I know you hit. Listen, (laughs) my lord. (laughs) What? I mean, because mine be going like it be doing a thing. Uh, But no, like I say, this man tried to shortchange me and offer me a hundred dollars per session. I said, "Do you know this, (laughs) dude?" Come on. First, first off, I said that's offensive. How'd he do? Listen, um, <laughs> the last episode, the week before last, you know, I had somebody who I've had past relationships. Apparently, it, it talks to them. Oh, my. I was told once that my innards, Not your innards. felt like when they put it in that I had an entire village of little people that would come and personally cater to the dick. And I thought that that was the most wonderful compliment I've ever had in my life. That is beautiful. Isn't it gorgeous? As someone who writes poetry, that is quite poetic. I mean, of course, I I then gave him head and he screamed for his mama. That was a little awkward, but I mean, you know, snaps to me. I threw your ass back into infancy. Wow. You fed him his Gerbers. I mean, and gave him his bib. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. See, that's what I'm talking about. Y'all need to learn the impact <laughs> and see the material for what it is. Okay. But overall, would you say 
that people need to when we're talking about the politics of what we deem as attractive as gay black men in this and and recognize that there is in fact a hierarchy right would you respect someone in saying that they are prejudiced and not using the word preference but then also doing the work to learn exactly what the root of that pre- that prejudice is right mm-hmm. but actually using the language of saying this is my prejudice I, I would respect someone a thousand times over for that mm-hmm. because it, it takes a level of it takes a certain level of honesty with yourself mm. my thing is this mm-hmm. if you can look at all of the people that you've dated mm-hmm. if you can look at all of the relationships that you've been in and they all look the same same type they dress the same they were in the same fields mm-hmm. I liken you to someone who says that America is the greatest country in the world and has never left it. Mm. Has no stamps in the passport Mm -hmm. to find out Mm -hmm. if it truly is the greatest country in an entire fucking globe. Mm. If you can look at the track record Mm -hmm. of your type Mm -hmm. and you are no longer with them Mm-hmm. You might have to ask yourself, is it me? I keep going after the same type of person mm-hmm. and keep having the same result. Mm-hmm. But you continue to go after the same type of person. Why? Mm-hmm. Because y'all look good in the picture together. Because you can take them home and ain't nobody going to talk about them. Because I've got people all day long. If I find me a man that's fine to me and y'all think it's ugly, I don't give a fuck. He's fine to me. That's all that matters. And you know, a lot of people, they come for you. You want to be like, well, you ain't got no man right now. You single to yourself. Let me, let me, I want to make this very clear. Make it clear. Let me get close to the mic. Mm-hmm. And I made this clear on my Instagram as well. I'm going to say it again on, 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 on new radio. Mm-hmm. Daniel J doesn't have a problem getting a man nor keeping one but Daniel has a standard that he's not willing to settle upon so I'm not going to get into a relationship just for the sake of having one if it's not the healthy relationship that I know that I deserve and am worthy of so be very careful when you talk about your single friends because some of your single friends are single by choice Mm -hmm. all while you're parading around the relationship that you're in Mm -hmm. but yet the only conversations about your relationship that you have with your friends are the ones that annoy you and get on your nerve because you can't stand the motherfucker that you with I don't want that type of relationship which is why I'm single that's on period right that that bitch is on exclamation point. Ooh. However, comma. <laughs> and before we get off of it, because you mentioned something, how do you feel about gay couples who look like each other? Like they actually look like each other. Like they look, they could be siblings. Um, I don't feel any type of way because I mean, I, you can't necessarily help who you like. Mm-hmm. You know, some I feel like some of them it's just. You know, kind of coincidence and just a luck of the draw. 
in other cases though I do believe that people who um, go after folks who look like them Mm -hmm. purposefully are probably a narcissist yes yeah again I don't need a mirror image of Daniel J I'm already me Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I don't I'm cast in the perfect role. Can't nobody else play this. So I don't need a twin mm-hmm. in my relationship. I, that's, that shit is... I want to learn something new. I want to experience something other. Something that is not what I already bring. Ooh, I felt that. Because, yeah, I see that whenever you see hashtag gay couples, especially hashtag gay black couples... They be looking the same. They be having the same fade, the same beard, probably the same complexion most times. Y'all look like siblings. Same body type. Same body type. Mm -hmm. One dude said he likes it. He likes it like that because he can. He knows that he can borrow his dude's clothes. I just thought that that was the dumbest shit I had ever heard while walking on this planet. I have no words. But that's my opinion and my in my experience. You know, if it works for you, it works for you. Carry on, miles of off. Because you know how people say. <laughs> listen, you know how people say, if you like it, I love it. For years, I always say, if you like it, I still hate it. But as long as you like it, I love that for you. Mm-hmm. I love that for you. Yeah, that's cute for you. For you. <laughs> So, any ending messages that you have for the nudists and also, again, where they can find you on your platform, what you got for us? What I'm going to say in closing on my behalf is life, love, relationships, and sex, it's all a journey. It's all something that should be explored and discovered. Um with where you are in your life. And if you find yourself in a space where you feel stuck, where you feel like it's just not occurring, it's not happening the way that you want it to, I challenge you with these three questions. Number one, where is your willingness and your readiness? Are you willing and ready to do it different? Number two, How much outside influence is causing you to navigate the way that you are navigating? And number three, do you have your own joy or are you trying to find it in other people? Hmm. Notice I didn't say happiness Mm -hmm. because I feel like happiness is fleeting. But do you have your own joy about your life and your journey? Um, as far as where people can find me, you can find me on all social media at Daniel J. You can also find me on my blog, DanielJ.com. Um, all of my information is the same on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Y'all, this has been, I'm, I'm so happy and so grateful that, you know, and appreciative that you have finally been able to get on the show. We have been talking about it for what seems like a year now at this point and really you know having you on at this time I think was the best point because what this season season three now that we're in it 
is really just showcasing growth and evolution overall and everything all the nuggets and gems that you've dropped within these last two hours i feel like that people are going to learn from they're going to see themselves in and i can't wait to see whatever feedback you get you know whatever feedback i get in just following up after this but i feel like you know it's been some healing that people are going to be able to take from this episode and uh like i said you know i i definitely learned a lot you know i'll probably cry screaming down the wall oh my god or something afterwards <laughs> you gave us things to think about you know like how did you like that's the thing like again as we live we get the opportunity to learn and evolve every single day so it's just like again it just speaks to the work that you've done you know in your journey and your experience and in getting to this point of enlightenment and this still isn't the top this still isn't the pinnacle so y'all just catch the vibe catch the wave (laughs) and go along the journey so Thank you for being on New Radio. Thank you, know. you for having me. And like it was I said, definitely a pleasure. Yes, it was. So y'all make sure to follow Daniel on every single platform that you can find him. Uh, write him, slide in his DMs, respectfully or disrespectfully, however you like it. What you like? I love to be made love to, but I love to be choked, slapped, and spitting. <laughs> so I mean, you know. Use discretion. Lord Jesus. And whatever deity you pray to. (laughs) My God. Well, make sure to subscribe to New Radio Streaming on all platforms where you can find a podcast. And then, of course, make sure to follow me on New Radio 101 on Instagram and Twitter under the same handle, of course. And uh, slide into my DMs respectfully at Instagram, you know, at Kenny Heflin. But you know, we'll see. You know, this, discretion. This, discretion is advised. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. And uh, I cannot wait to uh, listen to the show back. So, kudos to you. Thank you for having me again. All right. Well, bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>